0: Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Berkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by EJ Snyder, fresh off his Senior Bowl experience. EJ, Lead Draft Analyst, how you doing? I couldn't be better. It's a little bit like 7th Heaven.
1: Uh, Never really figured I would get to go to the Senior Bowl in person, and now having done it, um, yeah, it's exactly... (laughs) Well, it's not exactly like I thought it would be. It was probably better. Um, somebody asked me to describe it, and the summary I came up with is: it's a whole bunch of nerds just like me with better barbecue.
0: <laughs> well, we'll get into a lot of Senior Bowl coverage here in a bit. Uh, I think you know this is the first episode of the second season. It's uh, we got renewed for a second season, so that's very exciting to both of us. Uh, but we wanted to just take a moment to thank everybody that. Uh, listen to us in season one and we really enjoyed bringing those uh, episodes to you I think we recorded somewhere in the upper 30s in our first uh, season which was uh, you know kind of incredible and it flew by and we had a great time doing it we're really excited about season two Um, and so if you're if you're new to the podcast welcome and if you're coming back for more uh, we really appreciate you sticking with us so thanks for uh, a great season one we're really hyped about season two
1: Yeah, we couldn't do it without all you folks. Uh, That's the reason we do it. Your feedback, your input, um, your listenership has been tremendous through season one. Um, All the times you interacted and suggested a beer or um, suggested a a spot for the podcast, interacted with us on Twitter, it was all fantastic. And we wouldn't be here for second season if it wasn't for all of you. So we just wanted to start off season two with a big thanks and keep it tuned here because we're going to have all kinds of fun stuff for you in season two.
0: So the, what we do, again, if this is your first episode because you saw that EJ was at the Senior Bowl and you wanted to listen to that coverage, uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But we don't start any episode without uh, drinking a beverage. Almost always it's a beer. Uh, we have had some bourbons. We had a root beer on once uh, with uh, some underage guests, uh, not of legal drinking age. So um, we have beers today. Um, I'm going to let EJ start off uh, with what he's drinking.
1: Oh, fantastic. I saved this one for a special occasion, and the kickoff of Season 2 seems like a special occasion. Uh, This is from Crux Fermentation Project down in Bend, Oregon, which is a pretty interesting one-off brewery. They do some very uh, different brews. I've had one of their beers on the show before, and this is their Mountain Traffic Hoppy Red Ale. Uh, This is a pint. And it is 7.8 alcohol by volume. It is 50 IBUs, so you might be into it. It's a little above your limit of 40. Um, but, yeah, I have not had this particular brew. I typically like the stuff I've had from Crux, so I'm pretty excited. What do you have?
0: Well, to kick off Season 2, I brought on one of my favorite beers, Uh it is the Norwal Imperial Stout from Sierra Nevada. I'm sure a brewery that you are very familiar with. Uh, annual release for them. They you know, put the, the year on it. It's one of those beers that you can kind of let sit around for a couple years to change character. Uh, but uh, I'm going to open the first one of the six, six pack up and enjoy that with everybody today. Cool. And while we're uh, cracking these open, I just wanted to give a quick shout
1: out to a brewery uh, and tap room in Mobile, Alabama. Family owned operation called Iron Hand Brewing um, that heard I was in town through a listener, actually, and reached out to me and said, so are you coming by? (laughs) And no kidding. Yeah. And I was like, "Uh, I i i guess i'm at practice right now but um maybe i'll come by tonight and they're like great see you then and so uh one of the guys i was hanging out with in mobile um you might know him he does the film room on youtube his name is brett Coleman. so brett and i went by iron hand brewing it's this uh Tucked away in a little neighborhood. Doesn't really look at all like an establishment you might go drinking in. It's a renovated, I don't know, armory or church or something. Um, And you walk in and it's all brightly lit and knotty pine. And it's a husband and wife operation. They moved from Portland, Oregon and started a craft brew house in mobile alabama the husband brews all the beer and rebecca runs all the front of house stuff and we ended up talking to them for between the two of them like an hour and a half they were incredibly gracious their staff is really nice so if you're ever in mobile check out ironhand brewing they cannot ship their beers due to alabama liquor laws so you can't call them up and get some of their delicious brews but i thought of you jb because they had a gingerbread porter which uh, the old brewmaster made as their – he said, this is our anniversary beer. And I said, oh, really? And he said, yeah, we got married right around Christmas, and this was the Christmas beer, and I, I wanted to make something that my wife would like. So I made this gingerbread porter, and I did not have any, but Brett had some, and he said it was delicious, and I thought, that's right up JB's Roundhouse. That's that's a perfect beer for him.
0: Sure, nothing wrong with that. Uh, I, I do like um, kind of seasonal beers, you know, get into that and, you know, drink – won a season of of certain beers we're talking about the uh did a mixed sixer with my wife of different white ales and christmas ales and stuff and that was kind of fun to uh kind of taste test and pick out the best one and honestly the sam adams won our taste test which was you know kind of kind of crazy but um i got a lot of people tweeting at me on our beers over beers account that like hey that's one of my favorite beers uh so the those are those are fun um, this is uh, this is motor oil. Um, just <laughs> so you know, if you guys want to pick up Norwall, it's uh, you know not a lot of uh, carbonation and really dark. Uh, you got a lot of roasted coffee notes, uh, you know, chocolate notes. Very good. Um, it's ten. It's over ten. Ten percent. Uh, <laughs> so you're going to be doing most of the talking this episode. Uh, so Fair I enough. feel uncomfortable uh, bringing something like this on uh mine
1: is a very um coppery amber color it's got a beautiful sort of golden red color to it it has a lot of carbonation in it but it does not have a lot of head to it the head's pretty thin um and it's got a really bright smell to it uh you definitely smell when they say hoppy red ale you you smell the hops for sure so it'll be interesting to see how it drinks
0: Right, well, we'll check back at the end of the show on the beers. Um, let's start off. So last year we went through every position group and reviewed what we considered the strengths and weaknesses and potentially some draft prospects or free agent prospects. I have a feeling we're going to be doing some of that um, before the start of free agency. And I think the positions that we're going to start to focus on, now correct me if I'm wrong, but quarterback – Seems to be something we probably need to talk about. Uh, Tight end would be a top need. I think that you've talked a lot about interior offensive line. Obviously, we need some competition for Alex Bars for that uh, right guard spot that Kyle Long is vacating. Cornerback is something we talked about at length last year. uh, That was not necessarily added to in the draft beyond some nickel corners uh, i think we're more looking at outside corners and then uh probably need complimentary edge rusher to khalil mack and then i would also add into that uh we need to figure out the strong safety position but we may have bears over Bears favorite steven denmark competing for that role uh coming up into the in, into the 2020 season but i think strong safety might be the only other one that i'd add into that is that kind of a complete list for you. Yeah, I think that works for
1: me. And I am I think you're right. It is strong safety. We really both agree we need to rotate. The Bears need to rotate Eddie Jackson back into that deep third safety role where he's so good, where he can freelance a little bit because he's so smart, use those speed and instincts, and – his reaction skills, get a few more turnovers, interceptions from playing that deep middle third. And he had to play a little bit closer to the line this year. That that sort of removed that strength. It's quite possible that ha ha Clinton Dix will move on. So a strong safety uh, would be the replacement piece there. And the good news is those are typically a little bit easier to get guys who are a little bit more comfortable playing closer to the line, uh, possibly even kind of a hybrid hybrid light linebacker type, finding those true, deep ball hawk middle third safeties is really difficult but the good news is the bears already have one
0: and they have him extended we should actually probably start off i what's funny is last year when we talked about safeties i said that my number one priority for ryan pace in the 2020 off season was going to be to extend eddie jackson and he did it before the league year ended and so he already took care of my number one item of business uh, from from last year's check check boxes uh, before we even got into the off season. So congratulations to Eddie Jackson for getting extended, and uh, I think that means that I am free to buy that number thirty nine jersey.
1: Yes, buy with care. We've talked about jersey purchases and, and how those go right or wrong, but I, I have a feeling you're feeling pretty good about EJ, the other EJ. Um, I am too. Very glad that Ryan Pace extended him. He's a tremendous player. He had a little bit less visible impact this year, but that doesn't mean he made less impact on the games. He's still a very, very good football player.
0: Absolutely, all right. So we'll we'll keep those position groups in mind as we go through the first few episodes and and specifically this episode when we talk about the Senior Bowl, uh, because that's where EJ's put in a lot of his work in the film room. And so the Senior Bowl. So obviously, seniors in college get to go to this thing. But what is it, and who goes, and kind of give us give me the background of what this thing is all about?
1: Yeah. So the Senior Bowl is an annual event. Uh, it's described as football's premier senior collar college player showcase event. That is to take all those seniors who are now draft eligible, uh, and showcase them in front of their prospective employers. That is the NFL teams. And it has become, especially in recent years, even more than that. Uh, it features the country's best seniors, top NFL draft pro- prospects, um, they've got rules about who can go only college seniors and fourth year junior graduates are eligible for the game so if you are like a redshirt sophomore who has enough uh, time away from high school to be drafted into the nfl according to the nfl pa rule league rules you still can't go um you need to have Uh, graduated by December prior to the game if you're a fourth-year junior and have earned your degree. So they start asking uh, a year before if a guy looks like he could come out as a junior. Uh, Jim Nagy, who's the director of the Senior Bowl, said, oh, yeah, when we go to these guys the year before on the campus visit, we say, so you think you want to play in the game next year? And they're like, yes, sir. He's like, all right, you got to get your degree by December. And they're like, no problem, I'm on on track to do it. So it's true seniors and those uh, fourth-year juniors Uh, It would be redshirt juniors with a diploma in their hand by December. They get to go. Uh, They divide all these players up. They typically invite just over 100 players. It is invitation only. So the Senior Bowl itself has a scouting apparatus. Uh, They treat it just like a front office, and they decide who they're going to invite. And they actually spend a lot of time on that. We can talk about that a little bit more later on. Once they get there, the NFL selects two NFL coaching staffs to send to Mobile to coach these guys once they've divided them into the North and the South team. This year it was the Bengals and the Lions. So Matt Patricia, we know from Indivision, he and his staff were down there running one team. Uh, The Bengals were running the other team and this thing started a long time ago the first one was in jacksonville florida in 1950 it was only there for one year the next year it moved to mobile's lad people stadium and it has remained there ever since and it is embraced in mobile as part of the town part of the culture it's a huge draw obviously a lot of people travel to mobile for this uh the town is very very happy there's banners all over town welcome senior bowl participants everybody knows they're going to be selling some extra meals and drinks and um uh, there's a big parade. Uh, the players visit kids in the hospital. It's it's very tied into the fabric of the community, so it's a it's a really cool event.
0: So the Senior Bowl is it generally seems like the coaches of coaching staffs of some of the worst teams are invited uh, to to lead the groups. I suppose it wouldn't be if you were just went under a coaching change, but it does seem like it's usually the ones that are at the bottom of the uh, of the conference records. Is that True, or am I just seeing Lions and Bengals and thinking that's what happens every year?
1: No, it is absolutely true. They want to give two of the least successful teams in the NFL from the last year a chance to get hands-on with all these prospects, to coach them for a week, to see how they adapt to coaching, see how they react, see how they learn, uh, see what their characters like. They spend a lot of time with these guys in meetings and installs and on the field. They get a real window uh, and it's a huge advantage. Uh This year's NFC champion, the 49ers, were in Mobile last year as a team coaching the players. They ended up choosing three players uh, in the draft from their time in Mobile who were at the Senior Bowl and uh, at the conference championship game when they won. They had T-shirts already printed up, so you know they were thinking about it. They were pretty sure they were going to win that game. That said, Mobile to Miami, which means worst mm. to first, right? You know, we had we were four and twelve. We were coaching the Senior Bowl, and this year we're headed to the Super Bowl. So uh, it's a it's a very interesting relationship there. But yes, they do pick teams that were two of the least successful teams from the previous year and give those coaching staffs an opportunity to work hands on with the top, basically hundred draftable players or so one thing I found out that was very interesting is that each team gets to have two representatives on the field. That's all teams. So every team, Seahawks, Bears, Patriots, whatever, gets to send two reps that actually get to be on the field for practice activities and everything else. So they can get an up-close look, but they're not directing the drills or choosing the cadence or picking the plays or anything else. But they do get firsthand uh, sort of viewing rights, basically.
0: Did you notice a difference in the way that Matt Patricia and his staff handled their side of the squad versus Zach Taylor and his uh, group over from the Cincinnati side of things?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There was definitely a difference between the two coaching staffs, as you figure there probably should be. They probably run things differently in their buildings, and it was no different when they came to the practice field. I was actually really impressed with Patricia's practices everything was really sharp. Everybody ran from drill to drill. There was very little wasted time. Uh, uh, there was a lot of efficiency in terms of one of the cool things I, I saw about maximizing reps was when they were doing, um, seven on air drills. So basically passing drills, almost installs just to be running routes. So they put, uh, you know, they put the four wide receivers in a back and a, basically a center in the quarterback. They snap the ball. Everybody runs the route. The quarterback picks his favorite, throws the route, and then they would have an assistant coach right behind him, probably the quarterback's coach, throw A second ball to another one of the receivers. So two guys got to make catches on every play Uh, and they would do that very quickly. And there are three quarterbacks on each squad. So they would be rotating through Uh, Patricia's charges were uh, very well drilled that they were to move off the field and be replaced very quickly. They wanted as many reps as they could during that period. And the pace was really, really high. Not quite so with the Bengals. I wouldn't call it lackadaisical, uh, but definitely a different kind of urgency and um, a little more time taken to kind of pull guys aside and give coaching during those drills. Uh, Patricia's drills were so fast that they were really, you could tell they were concentrating on getting film on these guys and reps. And then they'd talk about whatever happened in the meetings. Bengals took a little more time on the field to kind of break a guy down. uh, If something had gone wrong, pull him aside and say, hey, saw this saw this go do it again or you know in your next rep be ready to Um, so there's definitely a visible difference between the two coaching staffs and even so folks that had been to multiple senior bowls this was my first uh were saying how much better it was even if they didn't like it than some previous years. Uh the one everybody brought up was when John Gruden uh and the Raider staff got to go to the Senior Bowl a couple of years ago. Apparently it was really uh quite difficult to watch. They spent a lot of time on special teams and a lot of times on trick plays, which seems like a weird thing to be practicing in an all-star game, but <laughs> um reverses, double reverses, reverse passes, things like that. And and everybody in attendance was was like this isn't giving us a lot of context for what's actually going to happen and they were pretty frustrated by it so this year was was pretty smooth in that regard i think most people Everybody wants more one-on-one drills, but it is still a game. You, you still have to get these guys installed on an offense and a defense because, hey, look, they're playing a nationally televised game uh, tomorrow, Saturday, and they've got to know what the game plan is. So you've got to do that sometime, and it's not as fun to watch installs and run-throughs at three-quarter speed against air as it is you know, one-on-one offense and defense. That's what all the scouts want to see for competition, but um, in general, there's a pretty good balance.
0: Yeah, that's 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 interesting about John Gruden. You know, our colleague uh, Bill Zimmerman had Frank Caliendo on, who does the excellent John Gruden impression. And uh, I, I just feel like I want to channel, channel my own John Gruden impression. You know, hey, Hunter Renfro, man. You know, but like I don't have it. But um, it's pretty funny that, because Hunter Renfro was in that Senior Bowl. <laughs> Oh, was he really? <laughs> he was.
1: People were talking specifically about John Gruden running reverse practices to Hunter Renfro and and just rolling their eyes so hard that they sprained them. Um, yeah, it was it, that was that was the one player, the one coach, and and the one sort of drill cadence that people brought up over and over again. And at least it's not Gruden running reverses to Hunter Renfro.
0: <laughs> Hunter Renfro, man. All right. <laughs> well. Um, I, I have to ask, uh, I was just not bears relevant, but was Joe Burrow down there? I had heard that he was maybe going to make an appearance.
1: Yeah. Big news, uh, in the week leading up to the senior bowl, um, Jim Nagy was talking to Joe Burrow directly. So the director of the senior bowl was talking to Burrow and his family directly. And he, he said in his opening press conference, this is Nagy, uh, Jim Nagy, of course, not Matt Nagy. I know that's confusing. Um, not related as far as I know, uh, said, look, I had no hope of getting Joe Burrow down here on the field. He had nothing to prove. He's the consensus, probably number one overall pick. We definitely don't want to get him injured, but I did want to get him down here and in the mix so that he could talk to players, so that he could talk to other coaches, so he could get familiar with the NFL apparatus. That was my hope, if anything. Um, About two days, so this was going on for a full week. There was a lot of rumor, a lot of buzz that Burrow might be at the Senior Bowl. About two days before the Senior Bowl, um, Burrow decided to uh, stay home, hang out with his family, um, just spend time training where he's getting ready for the draft. And and that's fine. Jim, Jim Nagy has no hard feelings about that. And, you know, it's it was kind of an expected result, but it definitely added a little bit of pop to the week right before the senior bowl that the, uh, you know, hey, the newly crowned national champion guy that just ripped off probably the best college season ever by a quarterback might might be in town for the event. Um, Definitely added some buzz. It it went off without it for sure, but uh, he was not there.
0: Well, it's just kind of interesting because the Bengals staff was down there. Bengals have the number one pick uh everybody thinks that joe burrow's going to cincinnati and so just thought it'd be kind of interesting if he wound up going over there i guess uh, over there not down there right yeah. i don't know where he's from but obviously played his college ball at lsu so just it'd be a quick drive over for him yeah all right well fair enough so um put this into perspective so like you know a lot of uh, guys that are coming, like you said, red shirt sophomores or true juniors, whatever that are coming out. Generally they're coming out because they've got a high grade on them, or there's a, you know, a need based for them to come out early and, and, and try to get, uh, into the NFL system and, and forgo that last season in college. Um, and so they're not there. And so you don't get to see guys that sometimes are, you know, really high up in the first round. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, we've talked offline about Jerry Judy, um, who the Alabama wide receiver seems like he's going to be a very high pick. Uh, But, you know, we're still talking about a lot of players that are going to get drafted. So just in overall importance, why do you, you know, how do you see this senior bowl being important for the players and how do you see it being important for uh, the NFL as a whole? It's really the kickoff
1: of the entire draft season. And uh, what you're saying about the top players not going was very much more prevalent in the last few years of the previous director's run that was phil savage former gm of cleveland he was director of their senior bowl for a while quite a while actually did a solid job with the game understood what the league wanted out of it but um was was not very open to new media notably uh the whole reason i got to go was because jim nagy and his staff reached out to us and said you know we're embracing new media do you have anybody that you want to send Um, our editor, Lester Wilfong reached out to me and said, Hey, do you want to go? Uh, but Jim and his staff have done a tremendous job of, uh, sort of revamping the game as well. Again, they treat it as an NFL front office and it's, they self scout. They talk about the, um, they treat it almost as a, as a draft class that the guys that they're inviting to the senior bowl are like their draft senior bowl class they self-scout just like a team would do. Um, Jim Nagy's a longtime NFL scout. He spent about 18 years scouting in the NFL for a variety of teams, including the Seahawks and the Patriots. And last year, one of the things he mentioned in his opening press conference was we looked at our wide receiver group that came down to Mobile for the senior bowl and it was, it was pretty weak. We didn't think it was, was really a, a strong group. And, Throughout the year, we set out the goal that we were going to strengthen the wide receiver group, and sure enough, the wide receiver group that was in Mobile this year is exceptionally strong. So I thought it was really interesting how they were looking at themselves as a staff and the composition of the game and trying to maximize that and the other thing that Jim Nagy has preached to all the top picks and he's been very successful with this because like you said top choices would rarely go because it was always put forward as more risk than reward you're going to go down there and either you're going to get hurt or you're going to you're going to trip over your own toes in front of scouts and you're actually going to lower your draft stock so don't go there's nothing good that can happen there and Jim Nagy Coming especially from the Seahawks background, and and Pete Carroll and his staff uh, preach this all the time, competition always and at every position. And Jim Nagy has preached that to the top picks. Hey, come and compete. Show people you're a competitor. Show people that you're willing to compete, that you want to compete, that you want to show how good you are. And he's been successful in landing that with the top players. This year, the examples are Justin Herbert from Oregon, didn't really have a lot to gain, came, played, played very well and really cemented his status. Jalen Hurts, same thing, came to sort of try and right some wrongs or, or some things that people maybe think he can't do and show them that he can. I would argue he was not quite as successful, but he didn't hurt himself. Um, he he was voted the, the best practice player on the on his team for the week, uh, and that was voted on by the folks he played against on the opposite team. Uh, He was a great leader. He was obviously um, very strong with his teammates, and, you know, I think he had a fine week. Now, did he dispel any notions about his deep ball accuracy, I don't think he did. But Nagy and his staff, um, who are very hardworking, I have nothing but great things to say about the Senior Bowl staff. They did a great job. Um, But on the football side, they put together a very, very strong game with a lot of top talent, really nice balance at almost every position. There were not any position groups I looked at and thought, well, geez, there's nobody there to look at. Like They didn't get anybody. Every position uh, was stacked with players and talent, and it made for a very uh, interesting, almost hectic week trying to keep up with it all. So it's it's a major event. Um, I heard the stat that a thousand people from across the NFL show up, and that doesn't include media. Uh, interestingly oh, enough, really, yeah, yeah, it's wow, yeah. Uh, one of the things, yeah, I, I didn't realize that it was quite that many, but then I thought about it, and so every team's got their scouting staff there. Every team's got their video staff there. Every team's got their analytics arm if they have one there
0: um sure there are now did Dave Gettleman have his analytics people there? oh god
1: oh you're gonna make me aren't <laughs> you <laughs> one of the things about the senior bowl is you you turn around and there's blank right because it's a small town you're all there for the same reason you're at the hotel that serves as the hub of of senior bowl week or you're at the stadium or you're at a bar or you're at a restaurant or you're at the gas station it doesn't matter um with that many people in town uh both uh analysts, TV personalities, folks from NFL Network, all the coaching staffs, coaches who are looking for work are there with their resume in hand, trying to mill around the the you know the hotel bar and say, "Hey, I want a job." Um, sure. Agents are there. Uh, right, the, we were coming down the escalator the very first day, and I turned to Brett, who I was hanging out with, and said, "Is that your Rosenhaus?" And he said, "Yep, sure is." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay." And it became a running joke because everywhere we went, we saw Drew Rosenhaus because that, that guy's a hardworking dude. And literally every place we showed up, Drew Rosenhaus walked in and our, our running joke for the week was Drew Rosenhaus is stalking us. Um, <laughs> But, I mean, you just can't help it. You turn around, and so I was sitting in Lad People Stadium on the second day of practice, and, and all the coaching staff sort of come up and sit as groups, and the Steelers group was right behind me. The Jaguars group was off to the right. Texans were right in front of them. And just in front of me down to the left, like in the next row down, was the Giants scouts. And I was like, ah, oh, great, cool, whatever. You kind of get – you see it, but you don't really take too much notice of it. Anyways, right before practice starts – Who should walk up and sit with the giant scouts right on the end of the bench, but good old Mr. Dave Gettleman. And if you've followed me on Twitter, you know that I've got an ax to grind with Mr. Gettleman and his approach to building a team. Uh, I disagree with many of his decisions. So I actually snapped a picture of him, uh, pretended like I was taking a picture of a player on the field, got Gettleman in the frame, sent the text to JB, said, save me. I'm 10 feet away from Dave Gettleman. I can feel the stupid. And we had a good laugh about it. But it does happen. You're on the sidelines. You turn around and somebody's shouting. And it's Mike Tomlin, right? He's slapping hands with a former player who's now a scout for another team hi, how you doing man how you doing how you, you good family good and this is just everybody's running into everybody all the scouts are saying hi to each other they've seen each other at the colleges it's a time for them to get together and compare notes um we sat uh at a little corner place uh to get breakfast and there was a guy sitting there with a browns t-shirt and he was definitely meeting somebody this much older gentleman who I really wish I could place, I I don't know who he is, uh, came in, sat down, and they started talking about uh, basically cover two and how you handle an RPO over grits. And they were hardcore, you know, whiteboarding. they had their, their pencil and paper out. And I I bring this, they're both Southern gentlemen. I bring this guy and no, you got this, you got your flats here. You got, and you know, we looked him up. We sort of cyber the guy that had the Brown shirt on. His name's Chris Long. Uh, he used to be a Browns coach when Butch Davis was there and he's most recently worked in the CFL and I'm sure he's just in town sort of sharpening the saw and, and looking for an opportunity, but it's just, it's everywhere so it's a it's a fascinating experience
0: well I and I believe my text message back to you on the Gettleman picture was something to the effect of don't sit too close to him or you'll want the Bears to sign a running back to a big deal this off offseason so uh, yeah um, which was
1: hopefully, timely and awesome and definitely made me chuckle
0: <laughs> hopefully you didn't get too close and want to sign Melvin Gordon to a deal <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: uh.
0: um yeah that's that's good stuff so i i honestly i i kind of leads me into a question that i've been itching to ask but not like you know i don't want to be the starstruck guy but yeah go ahead you know do you have any like impromptu conversations with anybody that you've i don't know that you've admired over the years or that you're like oh my god i can't believe i'm talking to fill in the blank
1: yeah i did tons actually i i didn't go i'm the same as you i um tend to want to stay at the back of the room and and survey and and see who's there and kind of place it all and see what the relationships are and what's going on. Uh, I'm much less um, extroverted in terms of going up to somebody and sticking my hand in their face. But uh, I have this friend um, and I went to Bears camp with him this year and I watched him just reach out and talk to people and we had a ton of great experiences because of that because he was just so uh, friendly and engaging and I thought okay I have to model that a little bit I've got to maximize this opportunity I've got at the Senior Bowl and I need to be a little bit more like my friend Jeff Burkus who will just go up and say Hey man I see you're wearing a Mac jersey you know is he your favorite player and and we end up launching a new conversation and finding out a lot about this person and and I just loved that behavior when we were in bourbonnais and so. Um, I did a little bit more of that at the senior bowl, but I ended up having a ton of conversations with people. Who, again, you're just standing in an elevator, or you're, or, you know, you're in the bathroom, and and a player comes out and washes his hands, and and it's somebody you've watched on film, um, or you're at the player media event, and you see a guy standing there by himself, and you're like, hey, I could just go up and ask him about that one play that he had against Virginia, and ask him what he saw, and you'll learn a lot. And I had all those experiences. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, well, certainly the NFL network guys. Again, I was hanging out with Brett Coleman, um, who does the film room on YouTube. and he used to work at the NFL network. And so the first, hmm. uh, he was a he was a sort of tape monkey production guy that worked in the Red Zone Channel. He was all he was not camera talent. He was behind doing all the technical stuff. That's how he learned how to do video. And but he knows all those guys. He knows Charles Davis and Daniel Jeremiah and Andrew Siciliano and and all the guys. Bucky Brooks. So when he's walking through the hotel, they're all like, "Hey man, how are you? How you doing? How's the wife?" You know. And I was just like, "Uh, that's." that's Charles Davis. And Charles Davis is the nicest human being in the world. I've heard that from multiple people. I got to meet him. He absolutely is. Uh, He was wearing a New Paltz sweatshirt. And I know from following him on Twitter that he went to high school in New Paltz and still has a relationship with his coach. So I said, hey, I saw the New Paltz sweatshirt. I knew it must be you. He said, yeah, why do you know New Paltz? And I said, well, I grew up right near Ithaca. He said, or I said, I grew up in upstate not far from Newport. And he said, Where? And I said, Ithaca. And he said, Oh, the Blue Bombers, which is the Ithaca college football team. <laughs> he said, Two of my high school classmates went to Ithaca and played for Coach Brown. And, and, Brett said, "You're now witnessing the best football memory on the planet." And uh, CD has an amazing football memory, and he's very gracious and said, oh, "I think you're giving me too much credit." I said, "Actually, I don't. I don't think you are." But he played at New Paulson High School. He went to Tennessee for college. He played in the league a little bit. So he he's a tremendous guy. Very very nice. Um, a couple days later, we met Daniel Jeremiah, who I think is kind of the top of the heap in terms of draft analysts. And if you don't agree with that, you think it's Matt Miller. I met him, too. Uh, Stick to Football was in town, of course, for the event, and they were having a sort of get-together at a bar. Matt was extremely gracious after the podcast thing was over, spent time with almost everybody, spent a good 10 minutes with us just talking, drinking beer, Um so it was left and right. I was turning around all these people I have as heroes or have looked up to as role models or learned a lot from online, had interactions with, whatever it is, were were just there and you're talking to them. Uh, but the one I'm going to share with you, I haven't told you yet. So this is, this is my counter. Okay. This is my counter to your Mike Singletary story. Now, earlier on okay. season one, you talked about the fact that you were in an airport and you ran into Mike Singletary and you weren't going to talk to him, but then... You thought your mom might kill you if you didn't, so you went up and said something to Mike Singletary, and you had an interaction. So uh, this is last night. I was flying out of Mobile. I was flying to Dallas, Fort Worth. So I get to the Mobile airport. I was in a bit of a hurry, and I walk up to my gate, and obviously there's a lot of football people in town. Many people are on that flight going to a big hub. Uh, And I'm walking up, and I see a guy sitting there. He's talking to a guy in Cowboys gear, and it's Jason Garrett. And he's talking to probably one of his coaches that's still on staff because Jason Garrett notably just got fired after several years as the coach of the Cowboys. And he is now the offensive coordinator of the Giants. But he's talking to one of his former coaches. But I, I make eye contact. He knows that I know who he is. And I just said, hey, coach. And he said, hey. And very gracious. And I just walked on. I didn't want to interrupt his conversation with his coach. So I'm like, wow. And I texted a bunch of people about it. I'm going to be on the flight with Jason Garrett. That's amazing and you know made jokes about the cowboys and whatever else because that's what you do but jason garrett very very nice guy and uh we go to get on the flight we get on the flight it's a a short flight hour and 15 minutes or so and jason garrett was sitting in first class and he gets off and i was sitting right behind first class and coach and as we get up in that scrum to get off and everybody's trying to get your bag and whatever, this gentleman leans over and he says hey i got to get my bag out of the overhead right above your seat i said okay so i step back and he opens up the the overhead bin and he 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 gets it and as he gets it he drops the bag and he straightens up right in front of me and it's Dan Marino.
0: What? <laughs> no way!
1: And I'm like, holy shit, that's Dan Marino! Like it just hits me right. I've I've been in my own head. I sat by myself. I wasn't talking to anybody on the flight and. Yeah, I've been looking out the window and relaxing. It's been a very busy week at the Senior Bowl. I'm just kind of chilling out, and, and now Dan Marino is standing there right in my face with his bag, right? And he's he's very stiff from the flight and probably walking around the Senior Bowl and the fact that he used to get pounded on by defensive tackles on on sure, AstroTurf, right, yeah. right? And he's, he's had a long week. He doesn't look particularly great. He's tired. We're all tired. We're flying. And he grabs his bag, and he just turns around, and I'm like, that's freaking Dan Marino! Like that's a Hall of Famer! Like right there. That's that's a Pittsburgh quarterback. That's a Dolphins quarterback. Like that's Dan Marino. And so it's a tiny little plane, and you do the uh, you do the gate check thing for your roll ons, right? So everybody's standing in the jetway, and Garrett is standing there. I, I'm walking out behind Dan Marino, and Garrett's standing there waiting for his bag. Very gracious, not trying to push towards the front of the line or anything. And and Dan Marino peels off right to get his bag and he's standing right next to Garrett Garrett recognizes him he says hey man what are you doing here so I'm waiting for about and I'm just walking by and here's Jason Garrett talking to Dan Marino and I'm just like and and this is normal right this is
0: <laughs> this
1: is a weird day in my life I met Daniel Jeremiah this morning in the lobby of a coffee shop and now I'm walking by Jason Garrett talking to Dan Marino it, it just yeah Really, really odd, but um, I had the same experience at the weigh-in. Now, the weigh-in is a very odd event in general. Um, All the scouts cram into what is just a big expo place in the back of a hotel and a convention center. There's a big stage. There's a huge uh, projection screen that shows the player and his position and his little mugshot from college in a suit, right? player walks across the stage in basically Under Armour boxers, he stands in front of uh, basically a measuring tape. There's a very tall guy that they get to do this, um, rightfully so. He takes a little uh, right angle, measures the guy. Guy walks away. He announces his height to the whole room who scribbles it down. Guy walks to a scale, steps on a scale. Another guy uh you know, waits, reads the number, guy steps off the scale, walks off the stage, guy announces to the whole room, amplified, of course, over microphone, what the guy's weight is. And this goes on. North team, south team, everybody there, 100 players, walks across the stage in their underwear, gets measured for height, measured for weight, and goes off. While they're doing this, the place is packed. There's probably 1,200 people in the room. It's standing room only. There are cameras, and it is pin drop quiet. I mean, like, church quiet, because everybody wants to hear the number, even though it's amplified, it's a very big room, and nobody is making a sound, and it's just, and it happens early in the morning, happens seven in the morning on, on Wednesday morning, right, it's just very odd. It's a very strange event. And I had a little bit of a cough. I was traveling sick and I'm trying not to cough because every time I cough, I'm the only one in a room full of 1,500 people making any mm. noise. But as I'm standing there, I'm standing on the side because I know I'm going to be sitting a lot during the week and I'm standing on the side and I'm watching this and I'm writing down what I think are just the notable numbers. And I'm looking at guys' body types because you can figure out, hey, that guy's in great shape. No, he's not in such good shape. He could add weight. Da 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 da, da. I look down. To the right of me, to the closest guy in a chair, and I'm like, that's Reggie McKenzie, former GM of the yeah. Packers, former GM of the Raiders, sure. rebuilt the Raiders from nothing, from cap hell, and got forced out when they hired John Gruden and, and hence hired Mike Mayock as the GM, who is a draft analyst notably. But I'm like, that's Reggie McKenzie. And I'm like, what do I say to Reggie McKenzie? Like- <laughs> hey, I love your work. I hated the fact you were with the Packers and and drafted a lot of good players for them. I think what you did with Oakland was a miracle and you got a raw deal. Like, and good morning, sir. Like, I just, I couldn't think of what I would say to Reggie McKenzie. So I'm standing four feet away from Reggie McKenzie for like an hour while guys march across the stage in their underwear. And, and I don't, i don't say anything to him but i did run into uh, sam who's the southeast regional area scout for the bears he was gracious enough they do take a break between north and south there's like a 10 minute intermission i saw him talking to some other scouts i walked up and i couldn't not say anything to him because he's been responsible for all the bears drafts picks out of the southeast that's eddie goldman eddie jackson um uh leonard floyd uh roquan like all those guys are sam's picks and so he's been a very successful scout so i went up and he was very gracious took a picture of me with it that that i put on twitter but um yeah very odd event but you're just running into people left and right who you've either seen on like recap videos or or on nfl network or on the sideline of your favorite nfl game and it's it's just a very uh it's a surreal experience
0: well, it sounds incredible, and I'm sure you you have even more stories than what you shared with me. I cannot believe you sandbagged a Dan Marino story. That's ridiculous. But um, I was waiting for that. that. I didn't have
1: any. You you had a Mike Singletary story. I had nothing, and now I've got like fifty of them. So it was a great four days.
0: Yeah, That's amazing. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna come back, and I'm gonna ask you about any players that stood out. So uh, stick with us. We'll be back in a sec. All right, EJ. So players, you did film work on those position groups that we talked about. So you were watching these guys' tapes before you got there. So what did you learn about the players in person that either helped confirm things that you saw on tape or – it made you sit up straighter and say, Hey, actually this guy looks like he might be uh, more of a player than, than what I expected. And um, let's just make this, you know, somewhat free form go, Wherever you want to go with this, uh, position wise, um, I'm not, uh, not going to push you on, on anything, uh, particular, but, um, make sure you talk about tight end. That's
1: all. That's cool. I will start with tight end. Actually, that's where I was going to start anyway. It's actually where I started on film. Uh, first guy I watched, uh, on film for the whole year. When I do a film study, I typically do two or three games, um, for expediency's sake, just to get ready for the Senior Bowl, I did two games. I'll go back and do another game on all those players to get a full three-game slate. But the first guy I sat down and did an official you know, entry in my database for the year and, and booked a couple of games it was Bryson Hopkins from Purdue. Consensus, kind of number one or number two tight end, depending on who you listen to. And uh, I saw that there's some talent at the top of tight end uh, of who was headed to the Senior Bowl. And there were some other intriguing guys, but it didn't feel really strong. Having, as a position, having gone to the Senior Bowl and watched these guys in person, it feels stronger. It feels like there's a depth of talent there that I didn't really see on film. And it reminds me a little bit of George Kittle. Not the player, but the situation. And George Kittle's situation Mm. at Iowa was... He's a very good athlete. He was a tremendous blocker. He got very few pass reps, and then he went to the combine and blew it up, and everybody said, wow, he's really fast, and he caught the ball well, went back, and there was only like 11 catches to look at through his senior season, so people started to look at him very differently, and I had a similar experience with one of the guys that was in attendance, the Michigan tight end, Sean McCune. It's spelled McKeon, but it's pronounced McCune, and on tape, looked a little stiff, Blocked a lot because Harbaugh does not throw to his tight ends at Michigan. Uh, McEwen had slimmed down a little bit for this event, looked very fluid, and every bit the two-way tight end that could run and catch. And that was not what you saw if you look at his film, but here he is against top talent looking very, very fluid, very, very capable running routes, catching the ball very cleanly. Uh, That's a sort of surprise that makes you say, hey, I got to go back and watch the film again. And you know you're not going to see a lot of pass receptions, but you're going to look for some of that fluidity. Um, It was certainly present in person and just that there was a greater depth of talent there. Harrison Bryant from Florida Atlantic looked very, very good at tight end. Uh, Bryson Hopkins looked good receiving. He looked okay blocking. Guys like uh, Josiah Deguara from Cincinnati, I think he's pretty underrated, but he could be end up being like a Gerald Everett type or a Johnny Smith type. Caught the ball, made some really nice adjustments, looked pretty fluid. He's a little bit smaller, faster kind of move tight end type, but he's he's got skills. So, And then the guy that everybody wanted to talk to after day one, especially after the weigh-ins, was Adam Troutman from Dayton, who's a guy I talked about on Lester's podcast last week before I left. 6'5", 251, Uh, really smart, was recruited as a quarterback to Dayton, went to Dayton for engineering, also was accepted to Harvard and Cornell, chose Dayton because of the mix between athletics and academics and his ability to contribute to the football team. Got a chance to talk to him a couple times throughout the week, face-to-face, really impressive guy, was looking to see how he could block because... Even at 6'5 and 251 on tape, he runs like a wide receiver. He's got moves, very fluid, can high point the ball. Was really looking for some aggression and blocking and, and seeing how he could do that. And I talked to him about that the first day. And I said, you know, as a guy who's 6'5 and runs like a wide receiver, you know, you're going to be asked to block in the NFL. What do you think about that? And he said, I really take it as a personal challenge. And I, he said, when you move a guy who's larger than you, Off his spot against his will, that's better than catching a pass. And he said it with a smile on his face. And he went out over the week and moved people blocking. And he is, he's a riser. He's one of those guys that now he's competed and they've seen him against top competition. And he looked, he looked the part. Um, He's going to get serious consideration. He's going to jump over some of those other guys. I don't think he'll jump over a guy like Bryson Hopkins um, or the tight end from Missouri, but he's going to. He's going to make some noise in the draft process. He's a very cool dude. He is a tremendous athlete and is really smart, looks great on the football field. He's got a bright future in front of him. So a lot of people were crowded around Adam Troutman for pretty much the whole week.
0: I know our colleague Jacob Infante is a big fan of Bryson Hopkins. Um, and so I think he that's like the guy that he wants the most uh, out of that senior bowl group uh, to, to be a Chicago Bear. Um, I have some thoughts on free agent tight ends coming up. Um, we'll do a tight end show. Show. Um, I think the Bears are, maybe they'll double dip, but I think they're definitely going to go after a free agent tight end. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if they pair that with, a, with another rookie. Obviously, you said on Robert's show that uh, people might be shying away, Bears fans might be shying away from an Adam who went to a small school that played tight end for recent experience. And I understand that, but that's also not fair to the next guy up. And, and so it'll be interesting to see what his draft stock does in the coming, uh, weeks and, and months, uh, before the draft, uh, before they walk, uh, Uh, boat up on a water oh we'll talk
1: about that on a future Uh, (laughs) show that got released (laughs) while we were in Mobile the plan what Jeff's talking about is the plan for the NFL draft for this year is that it's going to be held in the fountain in the Bellagio they're going to make a floating stage in Las Vegas and they're going to deliver draft picks to the stage by boat So this is either the most Brady Bunch jumping the shark thing you've ever seen or just a bad idea. We're not quite sure which, but uh, it's something we'll talk about it
0: later on. I feel like it was going to be like the next uh, installment of the Oceans movie. You know, it's going to be like an Oceans 14 or Oceans 32, maybe. I have
1: to bring Uh, it up. First round draft. Yeah, I have to bring it up. But do you know who Annie Apple is?
0: Um, Related to Eli. That's right.
1: She's Eli Apple's mom. She was an ESPN commentator for a while. Uh, I believe she's a lawyer by training. Um, (laughs) Her post on this was, it it cut to the quick. She said, so a lot of new young African-American men being delivered to their new owners by boat. Who thought of this?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, not good. I was
1: like, ouch, that's that's rough but uh yeah well what we, i don't know i'm not sure i like the idea in general regardless of that but uh it is a thing it does sound like it's happening when i first saw it i thought it was like an onion post <laughs> i thought it sure. was a, a parody post of of like something so fantastical but then i remembered that they had zoo animals reading off picks in the last couple of drafts and i was like
0: <laughs> nope this is real uh yeah yeah it's a it's a spectacle yeah for sure Okay, so uh, you talked at length about quarterbacks on Robert's show, yeah, uh, and and so I don't know that we really need to get into that here. I think we will we'll dive into that more. Um, uh, offensive linemen I think you know, I feel like that's not where the Bears are necessarily going to go in the second. I feel like they'll probably push that down a little bit uh, to add some competition to the room. Could be wrong. We we got some time to figure that out. But I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious if you saw anything in the secondary that stood out to you.
1: Yeah, I was really hoping uh, that a guy named Dane Jackson from Pittsburgh would weigh in at about 185 and measure in 5'11 or better. Um, Dane, my friend, and I can say that because I met him a couple times this week, talked to him at length, uh, broke my heart first thing at the Senior Bowl, weighed in as the lightest player there. He weighed in at 180 pounds, and yes, folks, even the specialists in attendance, that's the punters and the kickers, weighed more than he did. Why is that a big deal? Well, I was hoping that Dane could play outside corner because that's really where the Bears have a need, and nobody in the NFL is going to play a guy at 180 pounds at a boundary corner. It's just not going to happen. That means he's a nickel at the next level. I still love Dane. Talked to him a couple of times. Very smart player. Uh, Impressed me on the field. Uh, Was voted the practice player of the week at cornerback for his squad. Um, Very, very good player. A couple of the wide receivers we talked to called him out by name after the first day, which was pretty odd um Hmm. and we said hey who who gave you trouble and he said you know mostly they said nah none of them beat pretty much all of them but then they kind of looked down at their shoes and they're like but that guy from pick got me a couple times uh dane's a great player but he's not going to play boundary corner so i liked watching dane play but he's not really in play for the bears because i think with duke shelley and buster screen in the fold they don't need a nickel corner um So not going to try and put a square peg in a round hole. Uh, There are plenty of guys that are big enough to play corner that were uh, outside corner at the Senior Bowl. I was looking for a guy from Iowa because I know somebody that went to Iowa and they tend to care about Hawkeyes. Yeah, absolutely. More the better. Yeah. So Michael Ojemudia or o. J. Moudia, uh, is an outside corner for the Hawkeyes. He is six foot. He's 199 pounds. He's got some good skill uh, in defending the pass. He is not terribly physical, which is weird for a Hawkeye. I know, but it's sure. true. Um, wasn't terribly impressed by what I saw out of him. Again, these are practices uh, in unfamiliar circumstances. Um, the couple of reps that I focused on, uh, Mudia, he opened his hips too early and Denzel Mims, who had an amazing week, who's a receiver from Baylor, um, ate his lunch, got a long completion against him down the sideline. Um, wasn't, uh, wasn't a rare occurrence. Mudia didn't didn't certainly shut anybody down generally the cornerbacks struggled against the wide receivers the wide receiver group like i said was extremely strong but i didn't see a lot of things that made me think hey go get that guy up high um um, there is a corner from notre dame and i want to say it's uh last name is pride and i want to get his first name right i think it's troy other team. Hang on. Yeah, he's on the North team. Troy. No, Pride. He's almost
0: certainly going to go to the Lions.
1: Yeah. Troy Pride Jr. from Notre Dame. He's 5'11", weighed in (laughs) just about 200 pounds, 194, and had an excellent week of practice. Um, Showed great hip flexibility. Showed some great anticipation cutting underneath uh, little corner routes and cut routes. Um, Generally was in the mix most of the week and looking good doing it. He had a very positive week, so I'm going to go back and look at his tape a little bit more. Um, there were some folks there. Um, some of the safeties looked very capable. Again, I didn't watch safety as a group. I didn't have time before I went to the Senior Bowl. But there are some big safeties. In fact, there's one that went to Southern Illinois, and I lost my good roster that had everybody. Uh, that had everybody by position and now they did him by number so hang on i'm gonna pull up senior bowl roster but he went to southern illinois he's six three and uh 200 and almost 20 pounds and mm. he w- he showed the ability to stay with receivers he had a great week in terms of um being able to play coverage not just an area and that's a big deal for a secondary player so he made himself some money this this week um he would be in safeties i want to get his name right southern illinois uh his name is jeremy chin and he is 6'3 almost 220 pounds and he weighed in 219 and showed some fluidity in in one-on-one pass drills that I didn't expect to see out of him, so that guy's got a very bright future going forward. Um, a lot of people were looking at Kyle Duggar. Uh, he comes from a very small school, Lenore Ryan. Um, and he had a good week as well. Big guy, physical, very athletic, played at a very small school, but looked like he belonged, and that's really what you want to see from a small school guy in an event like the Senior Bowl. So there's, I think, help in both cornerback and safety um okay but uh trying to find those big guys on the outside now a a guy that a lot of people were looking forward to was christian fulton from lsu he does have size he's got four years of experience in the sec um some people are higher on him than i am but he pulled out at the last minute i was really hoping to get to see him but didn't get to see him on the field um but again plenty of folks there that you could take a look at and say "Mm, that's pretty good but yeah i had huge hopes for dane and he just didn't Measure up, quite frankly, but uh, he's going to be a player in the league, and I'm just going to get to root for him as a player on another team.
0: Yeah, hopefully somewhere in the AFC. So, <laughs> um, all right. Well, so I feel like this was obviously a really good experience for you. We've heard some really fun and good stories, and I think that it really gave you the reason to get a jump start on film work, and we'll be able to combine that with your experience in the Senior Bowl and you'll be able to go back and do some additional film work. And we'll add in that free agency element and we'll be able to really have a good solid foundation going forward for the next few episodes for doing some positional previews. But um, anything else that you wanted to kind of cover before we wrap up uh, You know, this special launch edition of Season 2 to, uh, about the Senior Bowl? Uh, it's a great event. All credit to Jim
1: Nagy and his staff. I want to give a shout out to Dave, who's in charge of um, both marketing and PR for the Senior Bowl. Hardest working man in show business was was really up dust to dawn and probably longer than that. Uh, Always on his feet, always at the forefront. Even when he was that busy, took time to sit down, ask us about our experience, make sure we had what we needed. Um, Very, very... I feel like the Senior Bowl in general mirrored the friendliness of the host city. Mobile is an extremely friendly city. If you ever get the chance to go to Mobile, you should. It's very walkable. It's historic. It's beautiful. It's right on the water. Everybody you meet everywhere is friendly. Um, The one thing about Mobile is anywhere you go uh, for breakfast or, or beer or anything else, Everyone in the place will say hi to you. It's not just the person at the front that says, hey, welcome to Moe's or whatever. Everybody in the place, whether they're a server or a dish clearer or a cook or whatever else, walk around, how y'all doing? You, had, you having a good day? And you're like, yeah, yeah, we're having a great day. Okay, good, good. And everybody in the place does it at every place. And it's right. just incredibly welcoming. And I feel like the Senior Bowl has gone out of their way. To make sure that it wasn't just like well we gave you a pass do whatever it was very much hey do you have what you need are you enjoying it what can we do to do better um you know we'll get you all the information you need before you get there is there anything you're missing um just just a real service oriented atmosphere and very very friendly welcoming and inclusive and that was it just made the whole experience so much more fun because i've been to events that are like that and i've been to events that are much more sort of just just the business right and it was not that. It made it really, really fun, uh, and, and very productive too. Um, got a lot of great notes from it, made a lot of great connections and had a lot of fun doing it. So can't wait to go back.
0: Yeah. We talked offline a little bit about possibly getting some of those new friends that you made down in Mobile, uh, on the podcast. So hopefully we can get, some of those other eyes that were on the field down there and uh, help add some more color to the bears draft prep that we'll be trying to prepare here over bears over beers. So obviously really cool experience for you, uh, really cool experience for the rest of us to live vicariously through you and really excited to be able to continue to unravel all that knowledge that you gained down there. So uh, thanks for making that personal uh, trip down there. And, you know, obviously you were able to, step away from work and you know uh you know let your wife take care of things at home and 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 do all that so thank you to her obviously and and uh just a big thank you to you because this is going to add so much more you know boots on the ground eyes on the field experience to our prep here over the next couple months that i think is gonna really add a lot of value and so i'm very excited about being able to pick your brain over the next couple months about that stuff so very cool stuff. Um, I want to go back to the beers, and um, I'm 80 percent done with my beer. I wanted to make sure I didn't <laughs> cash it too early, uh, so I didn't slur on the uh, uh, first episode of the new season. Uh, but it's it's delicious. It's a really good beer. I you know I, I Sierra Nevada does good stuff, um, but this is the one that I I just have to pick up every year when I see it. What about you? I've
1: been really excited by it. Uh, it does not taste very hoppy i think you would enjoy that part of it it's actually fairly light for a crux beer usually crux goes really heavy on the flavors and they usually combine more than one so there's a lot going on with crux beers this is a bit more right down the middle it's a bit simpler uh, you can, it's definitely got a red taste to it. Although it says red hoppy, it doesn't finish with that real hop hook to it. It's a little bit smoother, almost warmer. Um, and there's not a ton of flavor to it. You, you get the flavor and then it goes away. It's not uh, super malty, super heavy, super sweet, super sticky. It just kind of stays right in the middle and fades away nicely. Uh, it has a little bit of creaminess to it in the mouthfeel, but it's certainly not a nitro beer or anything like that. It's very drinkable at almost 8%. And I liked it quite a bit.
0: Nice. Uh, Excellent. Well, that's, uh, that's the first episode. Um, and uh, we have plenty more beers coverage and plenty more beers to drink this year. But I'm happy to get the first one on the books. So yeah, want to get us out of here? Be
1: sure to check out the Windy City, Gritty Iron podcast channel network. We've got great folks, great shows. We've got Bill Zimmerman doing Bears banter. We've got Robert Schmitz and Bear With Me. And Lester is back. Lester Wilfong is remaking episodes of T formation conversation. I actually went on with him to kind of restart right before we hit for the senior bowl. So that was a great preview. Um, and of course you'll find us there as well. So four podcasts coming at you. uh, even though the bears season is over, we'll keep you going through the off season. You can find Jeff's work at gridiron born on Twitter. You can find my work at the draftsman fb as in football of course all of our work shows up on windy city gridiron as well so you can check out us and all the other great writers and contributors there Uh, but until then we are happy to kick off season two we will certainly have some very cool guests for you from the senior bowl and other places throughout the league during the second season so happy you're with us and bear down